disturbed, everyone. Hey, out there at home. Hey, patrons. John, wave to the oh, people. Oh, hello, Patreon. They can patron. see us. I know. Uh, well, sorry, I'm busy being a producer in the back end, just, giving Darren a note. Actually, he, as we he's were doing. He's doing a lot right now, guys. I'm doing, I'm doing the uh, most, uh, as usual. Now you can see how hard my job is trying to keep us all straight. But uh, <laughs> welcome to Shaking It. For two gay oh. people, I'm trying to keep it straight. Welcome to yeah. Shaking It Disturbed. Yeah. I am Darren Carp here with John Thrasher and hi. maybe Magic. Is Magic here? Is well, Magic? Can Magic say hi? Darren, you wish. Because oh, I wish. You wish. But here's the thing. We promised in a recent episode that on our live stream, which if you're mm. listening to this on Sunday is tomorrow, April 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, that I would uh, debut magic, if you will, my in the live stream. Husband. Your boyfriend. That's love right. Love my life. That's right. You love him. Yep. Yep. Uh, in the live stream. So my idea is I'm going to actually set up a live webcam so for those who don't know, we're, we we all get on Zoom and we have a party. It's really fun. You should join us uh, tomorrow. You can sign up now, but f- as long as you're signed up as a radish or a sussy radish on Patreon before By seven s- seven thirty yeah, ish. Nine, I was gonna say, but let's say seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just, just to yeah. make sure. Uh, we, you'll get an invite in your Patreon inbox and you can click the Zoom link and you come in. And so obviously I'm in my Zoom, Darren's in her Zoom box and I want to set up a separate account with a camera pointed right at Magic if he will agree to just hang out here at my house. Now, that's going to be a tough sell because this mm. cat does Zoomy sprint laps all around my house pretty much all day long. So he's going to Zoomies on Zoom. He's going to Zoomies on Zoom. Uh, and it's hard yep. to tell if he's going to be able to sit in, in, in one place, but I'm going to set it all up. You guys will get to meet magic for the very first time. I don't know why it's taken so long, honestly, but, um, really excited for it. I love our live streams, Darren. I know you do too. I think the question you answered on our NMR last week is, um, are we going to do the, are you a John or a Darren game? And it sounds the like who's most likely who's to, most likely, that's what it's to do it. Um, the, the only it's basically John or Darren. It's a choice, except we've yeah. played sort of a version of this where we give sort of like who, <laughs> who has done this before, like two truths and a lie mm-hmm. about this and that, but this is just kind of, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what yeah. the audience is feeling and what our patrons are feeling. Yeah. And it's so funny because it brings up so many conversation well, points. Sometimes they're offensive. You yeah, know, are like, they funny? I'm not sure they are. I think someone said I'm most likely to like. I, I said I'm most likely to not shower. So, That's, just saying, John, I'm holding, I'm holding on to this one, but uh, yeah. I'm very excited to play it. So yeah, if you sign up before 7:30 p.m. on Monday, the details are in our show notes. Uh, yeah. You know, we'd like to see some new faces in there as well. As much as yeah. we love. Uh, our tried and true patrons, you guys are amazing, oh, yeah. and we're really excited to hang out with you. As is magic, but um, let's get into <laughs> this week's yeah. case. Yeah, let's get into this. What week's were you going to say about him, though? Sorry oh, I was just going to say, you know, he's going to be a star. I think that's pretty much it. Gonna be or is or is find find out on find out on, on Monday's live stream exactly. Before we continue, though, I wanted to tell you guys about this amazing and really funny podcast that I just discovered. It's called Always the Last to Know, and as you might expect, it's a podcast all about the things that the two hosts sort of never really learned. It's one of those shows where if you feel like school didn't teach you some of the most basic facts of life, they agree and want to work through it with you, essentially. (laughs) It's two millennials feeling like everyone else around them knows something that they don't, and they're unpacking it on a podcast. And it's actually really fun to listen to. I really have enjoyed uh, listening to some of the more recent episodes, especially. Whether it's, you know, NATO clones or facts about Marilyn Monroe that everybody seems to get wrong 
or even things going on in Washington, D.C. that need dissected, they're figuring it out and it's really fun. Um, Listen to Always the Last to Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Well, Darren, moving in with someone new can often be a highly stressful situation. Sometimes just moving is a stressful situation, Darren, which you'll be doing very soon. If you listen to NMR, that's right. Darren is moving, you guys. By the way, this is a great way to say, a great sort of segue to say, if you're not listening to NMR, you're missing out on what's going on in our personal lives, you know, so get into that. Well, anyway, whether it's a romantic partner, a friend, or someone totally new, there often can be certain adjustments and a bit of awkwardness when entering into a new co-living situation. A million roommate things are going through Mm. my head right now, Mm. especially if you've lived in New Mm. York, Darren. I know you've lived on your own for most of the time, but... I have had multiple roommates in New York City specifically, mm-hmm. and they've been interesting. That's all I'll say for now. Maybe in a future NMR, we can talk about roommates, and we'll see where that goes. But Lots to say. Lots yeah, maybe some say. horror stories. Maybe we'll talk about that on our uh, Patreon live stream. Patreon live stream. There's some horror stories. But there's yes, moving in general and stuff, moving yeah. with another person, even moving in with a romantic partner or not, it's just hard. You have to adjust. Yeah, and it's very high stress, I think, is what we are pointing to in this week's episode. So what can one do when that living situation suddenly becomes unsafe and you realize you've already sort of bitten off more than you can chew? Yeah, Moving in with the wrong person or group of people, of course, can be catastrophic. And in some cases, it's ended in murder. And in late summer of 2000, four friends would move into an apartment together in Indianapolis, Indiana. Darren, that was where the first crime con was. Indianapolis That's right. was I a really that, cool. I missed that though. I know you did, but Indianapolis was a really cool town. Um, the people, I just remember all the people there were super friendly. Like all the, not just at the con, but like the like when I got to eat or I had to go to the post office one day, and like I was like, gosh, you guys really are nice. I'm just such a jaded New Yorker. In Indianapolis, but that's the way it goes. Anyway, the group consisted of two couples, 24-year-old Andrew Cataldi and his girlfriend, 25-year-old Trisha Nordman, along with 21-year-old Sarah Pender and her new boyfriend, Richard Hall. So Richard and Sarah, who met while attending a fish concert earlier that summer, had only been together a few months when they moved in together. Arguably the only band that you can think of the exact stereotype of who these people are. Like, it's not like you're like, oh, they went to a Taylor Swift concert. It's like, well, that could be multiple types of people. That could be me. That could be you. That could be Nadine. That could be tons of people. But if you are going to a fish concert, I know who you are. Like, I just know... Who yeah. you are? You're You've all the same. You've been to some fish concerts yourself. Never not you? once. Do I look oh. like the type? I'm not well, making no. fun of anyone. No, no. But you... I, I don't. I don't have a jam bandy <laughs> type of vibe, man. Or or do you? Or do I? Or do you? I don't know. But Think I've never attended it. a fish concert. But I, you know, everyone's okay. super friendly because they're all in like mushrooms and drugs or whatever. It's right, just I'm very just jammy and very like cargo shorts, tie dye shirts, baby. Yeah. yeah, this is going to be the. Thumbnail. This is it. Yeah, yeah. this is. This, we're, by the way, for those yeah. who can't see us, we're we're being hippies with peace signs. Anyways, we're doing something. Yeah, Darren, anyway. what is the what's the concert you and your dad have gone to multiple? The times? Who, the, the Who. That's what I was. The thinking. Who. Yeah, different because I'm like one of the younger people there, but you also have a lot say. of other younger people there. But everyone's <laughs> kind of it's like rock and roll. This sure. is like sure. Yeah, again, I get it. jam bandy. It's like Grateful Dead. Yeah, exactly. For you sure. know. Yeah. Anyway. 
Well, okay, so Richard and Sarah, they met at the Fish concert. They had been friends with Andrew and Trisha for several years. Well, they, now, they went to the Fish concert together. Yes. Sorry, they had been dating for a few months. Is that what I said? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Misspoke there. Now, Trisha originally met Andrew in jail, okay? Trisha was locked up on a forgery charge while Andrew was arrested for selling methamphetamine. So... Okay. There you go. That's what that's the that's the origin story for I them. mean, I hate to be crass, but we put away so many fucking people I in know. this country for nonviolent crimes. It's Forgery. like Forgery. I mean, you really? know what? Well, I it's just that like, you know, or yeah. even selling math, it's just like of yeah. course they're prison is not that unlikely to meet people. There's tons of people, different types of people in prison. It's not like just yeah. because you're in jail or in prison, you're a bad person or I agree. Unworthy of love is my point here. I agree. And I will add, just since you're bringing that up, that my perspective on that has dramatically changed since doing true crime, like working yeah. in this field, doing these shows so much over the last several years. Like, you know, I used to have a mindset as a younger, less educated person that like forgery straight to jail, methamphetamine straight to jail. I wouldn't say I was ever like that for weed, but, you know, like I was Mr. You know, everybody who breaks the law, you know, must spend time in prison. But like totally the reality is like, you know, people can change if it's nonviolent. It's like a whole different story. And does prison really change people? Like, I'm not sure that our prison system as it is, is really a deterrent for a lot of things, maybe for some depending on the type of person that you are, it might be, you know, especially if you get them kind of at a younger age. But uh, I'm just not sure if the punishments are fitting the crimes in our country, if that makes sense. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, after they were both released, Richard was introduced to Andrew through the drug trade, and the two began to underground, sorry, began an underground operation of their own, selling a variety of drugs out of their home, including marijuana, cocaine, and LSD. So now we're talking a whole different thing, you know, like, you're doing a drug sort of ring. You're selling, you know, you're basically the Walmart of a lot of illegal drugs like that. That's a little more intense than maybe one one or two little situations here. But nonetheless, still a little bit of an awkward situation. Yeah. To supplement his income, to supplement his income, excuse me, Richard also earned money working as a bouncer at a local bar while Sarah worked as a secretary during the day. And as the summer came to an end, a lot of argument. A lot of arguing and arguments were taking place in this household, and Andrew and Richard would often fight over business-related issues. And over time, the environment became increasingly increasingly more hostile and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I imagine all of that is also offset by the fact if you're doing something illegal, it's not like you have – it's not like you're like, you broke our business agreement and I can take you to court with a lawyer because you have violated this. When you're doing something underground – you're both gonna you both have the potential to be arrested for something, right? And for so sure. that is only adding the tension to a lot of this stuff. And can I add one thing there too? Yeah. Not to um, you know, be apologetic towards anybody in this conversation and we'll get into what exactly the crimes were, but you know, you have to also think if you've been in jail for forgery or selling meth and and then you're also continuing to sell other drugs, like you have to think about what is that person resorting to and what are their resources? They probably can't get a great job. They probably aren't financially well off. And so those two things alone create a barrier in our system and in our society where it's like, you know, the tension's going to rise and people are going to get frustrated. And, you know, like you just were saying, Darren, the household and the environment were becoming more hostile and uncomfortable. It's like a system of that that a lot of people can't get out of. So... Just want to like paint a picture a little bit there. 
No, I think you're right. And uh, around this time, Richard expressed interest in purchasing a gun. However, his criminal record included six misdemeanors, disqualifying him from legally purchasing a gun in the state of Indiana. And Trisha and Andrew were both fugitives, so they wouldn't really be able to help him, at least legally anyway. So Richard turned to Sarah in this, who hesitantly agreed. And October 24th, Sarah and Richard drove to the local Walmart, speaking of being the drug place Walmart of drugs, yeah, essentially. Yeah. They purchased a 12-gauge shotgun and a box of ammunition. Now, the cashier would later tell police, you can kind of see where this is going now, that she yeah. saw Richard pick out the bullets himself, bring it to the counter, where Sarah completed the transaction. Okay? So, again, him choosing the bullets, and I've never purchased a gun, so maybe I'm wrong right. about this. Feel free to correct me, but doesn't necessarily mean that Sarah wasn't in also on the purchase. You know, they could have discussed beforehand and he was just getting it. So it doesn't really say much about it. But the cashier said in the moment she felt something was a little off. And, you know, little did she know that this interaction would lead to the death of two people only hours after the sale. And after leaving Walmart, the couple went to spend the rest of the evening with Sarah's parents and returned home approximately at 11 p.m. And once they arrived... Once they left home, that is, Sarah decided to take a walk around the neighborhood. According to Richard, while she was away, a heated argument broke out between himself and Andrew, not uncommon, which was happening mm-hmm. uh, during this time. Richard's sister Tabitha owed him some money for drugs. Andrew wasn't happy allowing the debt to slide, and Richard became enraged defending his sister. According to Richard, as the argument ensued, Andrew went into Richard's room and tried to take the newly purchased rifle. So things were really boiling, basically, at this point. Before we continue, have you ever wished you could magically feel better and more energetic? It might be getting brighter outside longer, but for most of us, we're still in need of a little extra something to get us through the days. We're all microdosing these days to feel better. All sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. And you're probably wondering what microdosing even is, right? You know that just right feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like maybe after a workout or a nice long shower, where you're relaxed, focused, and even a little energized? Microdosing helps you get into that zone easier and stay there longer, which is exactly where I want to be at all times. Um, Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I've gifted these gummies to so many people, as we've talked about before on the show, and they all ask me where and how they can get them immediately because they love them so much. Um, including people that weren't really into microdosing or into the world of sort of THC. So that tells you that they've really made an impact. Um, We love microdose gummies here on the show. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code SHAKEN to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com. Code shaken. So Richard would later tell police that Andrew began threatening him with a gun, saying he was going to kill his whole family next. He managed to wrestle the gun. See, out that's of, oh, sorry to pause you. I just no, you're uh, good. you know how we always mention like the like, oh John, I'm gonna kill you, like you're being right. so annoying today. It's a lot different saying that than I'm gonna kill your whole family. That is like right. that is threatening to me. That is very threatening. You can't even yes. really joke about that. Well, not especially when they're in the middle of an argument. Like you do, that's right. when but you it's know not something aren't. you just say. I agree, for sure. Well, he did manage to wrestle the gun out of Andrew's hand. 
Richard then shot Andrew once in the chest, and when Trisha tried to intervene, he shot her twice, once in the neck and again in the head. Mm. By the time Sarah had come back from her walk, both of her roommates were already dead. Imagine that. Yeah. As she approached the house, she saw Richard already loading one of the bodies into a borrowed truck. Although I do kind of wonder what she's thinking because she bought the gun. So she must have had that talk with Richard. Maybe he lied to her and just being like, oh, I just want it for self-defense or I want to go hunt or something. But yeah, we don't know the motive. We don't really know anything outside of the fact that, you know, we're not even sure if Sarah knew that they were arguing as much as they were and taking it so seriously. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. A few days prior, Andrew and Richard had borrowed the pickup from a friend to help move some items out of their basement and make room for their meth lab. Well, Sarah would later say that in this moment, she felt terrified, but decided to help Richard out of pure love and loyalty. By the way, this is a great lesson for anyone out there. Don't conspire in murder because you love somebody, okay? You can But it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole oh, of based course on your it own is. traumas and your own stuff. So oh, of course, true. like, you know, you never know. Like yeah. we don't know the type of psychological abuse that she was coming under. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wasn't coming under that, but perhaps she was coming from a place and listen, do what they want, you know, no one's ever gonna love me and he's not gonna love me. And that's a totally. very powerful and easy Persuasion. trap to fall yeah. down. Yeah. I completely agree. We've heard it so many times, not just on this show, but like, you know, true crime television. That's basically what a lot of those situations are, sadly. Yeah, exactly. Well, she assisted him in moving the second body out of the house, and the two then dumped both Andrew and Trisha in a dumpster down the road. Less than 12 hours later, the bodies were discovered and an investigation began. The day after the murders, both Sarah and Richard went about their day as normal. Sarah went in for her daily shift at the law office, remember she was a secretary, while Richard stayed home and attempted to clean the leftover mess. This is not a very (laughs) smart cover-up. I mean, they're they're just like taking the bodies and putting them elsewhere, okay, but you know, they are roommates with these people. They know them. They have connections to them. It's not sort of something random, you know. They obviously are easily identifiable, but... On October 26th, Richard returned the borrowed truck to his friend. During his visit, Richard made an extremely odd request to burn a few items in his friend's backyard. This feels like it's going to be a fatal mistake. Like, hmm. I feel like if you're going to do this, stick to your own shit. Like, stick to your own territory. Don't <laughs> right. involve other people. Right. But he burned several clothing items, which, according to his friend, appeared to be splattered with blood. Because why else are you burning? By the way, if you're ever walking down the street, looking, you know, you're driving around, you're you're seeing people burning clothes. Unless there's bed bugs on those things. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know? Like, I mean, in New York, that's definitely a thing. But, like, I don't know. I'm like, if I ever saw someone burning clothes, I'm calling the police because there's definitely blood on them. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're scared. I might approach my friend and be like, why do you want to burn these clothing (laughs) items that are spattered with blood? But as we sort of predicted, the very same day, both victims were identified because, again, they left all the identifying marks. And it didn't take long for police to circle in on a two-bedroom apartment. It also Mm -hmm. just had happened, so they hadn't decomposed. I mean, they were almost kind of fresh in a way. Yeah, and, you know, he was trying to clean up the mess, as they say. So, So, like, who knows where all that evidence and DNA and everything was, yeah. 
Detectives arrived at Sarah and Richard's door with a warrant and searched the small apartment, which they found to be oh. freshly clean, oh. smelling of bleach, as I clean my apartment with bleach every day. I was just going to say, I was like, don't come to my house knocking on my door talking about freshly smelled anything like bleach, because it will always smell like that, and I've this never is, killed anybody. Check your freshies. Check your freshies. Thank you. Well, the police did notice bloodstains that someone had clearly tried to clean up, but unsuccessfully. On October 27th, Richard was arrested for his roommate's murder. The following day, Sarah brought a pair of bloodstained pants to the police station. Okay. I mean, what's her motivation there? I guess we'll get to it, but interesting DNA testing confirmed that the blood did indeed belong to Trisha and Andrew, as we are suspecting here. And the statements, mm-hmm. I wonder why she had those and why other things weren't burned. Like, yeah, they must have really, he must have really trusted her. Richard yeah. must have really trusted Sarah. Yeah. But the statement Sarah and Richard each gave to the police matched, stating that Sarah was out of the house at the time when the murders occurred, which seemed to be right because she was taking a walk. But despite yeah. this... There were still strong feelings of suspicion surrounding Sarah's potential involvement, especially considering she had been the one to purchase the murder weapon, and the cashier remembered this, okay? Right. Now, Sarah was also arrested for these murders, despite no DNA or physical evidence linking her to the crime, which... Yeah. is important. To, it's important. In a, in a court of law, it's important. But, you know, Darren, as we're going through these details, I am listening, and I'm like, okay, so... She made the purchase, but he allegedly bought the or picked out the bullets. She just miraculously happened to be out of the house at the exact same time, taking but again, a walk. But yes, but again, it you know beyond a reasonable doubt. Like, no, I hear maybe you. Maybe yeah. she did purchase the gun for self defense, but he knew where it was and grabbed it, and yeah, you know he knew when she took her daily walk, so he was going to do it. Fair. So that way, she you know. It always can be spun some way, you know? That's true, yeah, because if you're yeah. not there or know them so well, it's hard to really land on the truth, but totally. I think from the outside looking in, it's very sussy, as we call yeah. it here on the show. Well, bef- uh, shortly before his trial was set to begin, Richard decided to change his story and, oh, claimed, uh, yeah, and claimed to have evidence that this new version of events was the truthful one. He presented the court with a handwritten letter allegedly sent from Sarah while they were both awaiting trial. A forensic handwriting analyst even confirmed that the writing matched that of Sarah's. Mm. The letter, Darren, painted a very different picture than what police had been told up until this point. The letter from Sarah read like a profuse apology. She took responsibility, actually, for both murders implying that it was all done under the influence of LSD. Uh, Quote, when you said you would try to take the blame, I knew then that you loved me deeply. At first I thought you would tell, but you stuck to your promise. End quote. This is coming from the letter. Ending with an ominous, uh, quote, P.S. Destroy this in all caps. Never put anything in writing. Because you know what? Maybe (laughs) this happened under the influence of LSD, but writing this letter did not. So you should kind of know better than to put this in writing. Mm -hmm. But uh, not looking good for Sarah at this point. Definitely not. Um, By the way, I'm going to send you some text later that say, P.S. Destroy this. Yeah, exactly. Um, Richard pled guilty to the charges against him to avoid a trial and presented Sarah's letter in hopes of lightening his sentence. Richard was sentenced. Damn, so he sold her out of it. He sold her out. So she was right in that letter anyway. Damn. There you go. Richard was sentenced to 70 years in prison. That's 7-0. 
for the two counts of murder. This letter began a whole new era of this case, resulting in a dramatic perspective shift of Sarah. The woman who had presented herself as being naive and intimidated was now painted as a criminal mastermind who manipulated her boyfriend into taking the fall for her. Now, before we go on, I just want to say this is all based basically on a handwriting and an analysis, right? Because right. anyone could tip a, could t uh, hypothetically write this, but a hand one singular handwriting an analyst says that this was her. Okay, gotcha. I just find yep. that a little interesting. Yeah. One of the prosecutors assigned to her case famously referred to her as, quote, the female Charles Manson, which the media, as you can imagine, immediately picked up on. Well, to be fair, she didn't, just like Charlie Manson, they didn't physically kill anybody as far as we know. Well, right. And she's claiming that, well, let's get into more of the details. Yeah. Here. I don't want to jump too far ahead. So another uh, Sarah's attorney argued endlessly that this letter was fake, but with a forensic analyst backing it up, it was hard to sway the jury. I, I don't. I just. I don't know. That just feels weird to me. Another key witness named Floyd Pennington offered some alleged proof of Sarah's guilt. Floyd was an inmate at the same correctional facility as Richard, and he had been writing back and forth with Sarah since her incarceration. Floyd showed the court over 75 letters in Sarah's handwriting, but the real break came when he said Sarah had openly admitted to the murders. But is that the real break? I mean, couldn't any inmate say this? Couldn't I? I'm just not or seeing he's getting, conclusive evidence. Or he's getting bribed by the police. Exactly. To say, you know, exactly. like who knows? But yeah. in 2001, the two wrote to arrange a secret meeting in Weishard Hospital or Wishard Hospital. Here, mm -hmm. Floyd claimed that Sarah admitted to shooting her two roommates and convincing Richard to take the fall for it. The combination of Richard and Floyd's statements easily convinced the jury that Sarah had been the one behind the senseless crime all along. Again, we don't really have motive for that. Yet. Yeah, what is the motive? And nothing, right. and no DNA tying her to it, essentially. Yeah. She was found guilty because why bring the bloodstained pants to the police? Of course. I mean, this isn't adding up at all. She was found guilty and sentenced to 120 years in prison, serving 60 for each life taken. Remember, Richard was only sentenced to 70. Right. So she gets 50 more. In most cases, this would seem like the end of the story, but right. it's not. All of the culprits are locked up and justice has been served. But I mean, has it? Since her sentencing in 2001, significant doubt has been cast on Sarah's alleged involvement. I think that's what John and I are kind of saying here. Yeah. Richard Hull has even gone as far as to sign an official affidavit recanting his letter in 2003. Wow. He admitted to police that the letter had been forged by a uh -huh. fellow inmate named Steve Logan. Now, this is why you need like 17 handwriting experts That's in order what I'm to corroborate. Saying. Like the one person doing this, it just seems a little It's like saying bite marks, you know? Yeah, right. S Steve was a smaller guy who was easily in intimidated by other inmates. So Richard f offered his protection in exchange for the letter. And upon examination, both Richard and Steve's fingerprints would be found in the letter. But <sighs> Sarah's were nowhere to be found, which you'd think would sort of be the first. Thing. Number the very first thing. Let's see what DNA evidence is we she, have on this she, letter. Right, because even DNA is more conclusive than handwriting. Oh my god! So this line would come back to haunt Richard, who went to court for resentencing in two thousand four. His admittance, his admittance to perjury, resulted in a heavier sentence for himself, but had no consequences on Sarah, oh. whether positively or negatively. Uh, 
shouldn't have anything on her negatively, but her right. supporters have argued that this letter was the only real form of evidence presented against her, so that has been proven to be false. She obviously deserves a new trial, and <sighs> this witness statement presented by Floyd would also uh, come into question when a list of names was found in his cell. That list consisted of several people who had been charged with crimes and potential ways for him to quote-unquote snitch on them, right. just get stitches, in the hopes of earning himself a lighter sentence, which is sort of what we said. What was he being offered? How was he kind of involved in this? Mm-hmm. It did not go in. See, they don't even make any incentive to not snitch on each other. You know right. what I mean? Which in one right. sentence is good, but that also means that you're just going to snitch on anyone to get your own stuff. It doesn't have to be the right person, you know? Yeah, it did not go unnoticed that Floyd and Richard were in the same cell block for two months around the time that Steve (sighs) was forging the letter. This is just I I can't with this. All too common here. Yeah. And it's theorized that Floyd got word of what they were doing and saw it as an opportunity to jump in and reduce his sentence by making false accusations. Because remember, he's talking about confessions and meeting up at a hot, you know, none of that. Even if that were true, there's no proof of it. So you can't put somebody away for 120 years because of a story told like as a fable. I mean, this is just so annoying. But anyway, although the two primary pieces of evidence used against her have been proven false, Sarah still remains in prison. Crazy to me. Yeah, she has maintained her innocence the entire time and has even gone on several TV shows to advocate for her release. The cause has gained substantial following online as well, as her sister has been spearheading the movement to have her exonerated. Yeah, I bet. The movement has even gained the support of one of the attorneys who initially fought for her incarceration. Let me reread that. Wow. The movement has gained the support of one of the attorneys who initially was fighting for her incarceration. Now, does that not tell you that this right. system is fucked up? If you up? can change that guy's mind, yeah, exactly. like, damn. Yeah. Now retired, prosecutor Larry Sells has aided his voice to the movement, claiming that the justice system has failed Sarah immensely and she must be granted a new trial. With no physical evidence and, and, unreliable, and unreliable witnesses, Larry believes there is no longer a case against her. By the way, there was never a case against her, it looks like. Agreed. This shit pisses me off. Anyway, ironically, Larry is the same prosecutor who gave Sarah the nickname the female Charles Manson. Come on. For this guy to be rerouting his whole theory is kind of crazy. He did that during her trial in 2001. He says it's a statement that he deeply regrets. I would imagine so. In 2008, Sarah made headlines yet again when she managed to escape the correctional facility by by recruiting the help of a security guard and an ex-prisoner. Wow. She escaped in August and was on the run until December of that year when she was located in Chicago and brought back to Indiana to finish her sentence. I'm going to I want to comment on this in a minute, but we're going to wrap up here in a second. In that time, Sarah was featured on America's Most Wanted. Sarah is being held at the Rockville Correctional Facility in Park County, Indiana, where she is visited often by friends, family, and supporters, uh, and she continues to fight for a new trial, Darren. And I have Good, one thing should. One yeah. thing I want to say about escaping prison mm-hmm. is if you should never have been in prison to begin with, you should have no ramifications for that. And so should she ever get exonerated, well, I hope that she, um, you know, gets some sort of compensation for that as well. 
Well, she definitely deserves to be out of prison. You know, the escaping prison situation, it's like I imagine all of them want to kind of escape, and I'm sure mm-hmm. most of them are going in there thinking that they're innocent of something. But this is just a sad case of another life wasted because the criminal justice system can't get its fucking act together and just wants right. to put something away for this or not admit that they made a mistake in the first place. And the prosec- if the prosecutor exactly. can do that, I feel like that's kind of a big thing. Um but yeah, so keep an eye on this case. You know, hopefully more Innocence Project stuff will happen with because of this. And uh, yeah, we're all rooting for Sarah because I don't think that there's any actual evidence tying her really to this case outside of the fact that she bought the gun, which yeah. again, doesn't really say that she murdered anyone, you know? Yeah, and I will say she's locked up in Indiana, which is where this all happened. She had no priors, right? Yep, the governor of Indiana currently is a man named Eric Holcomb, H-O-L-C-O-M-B. And if you, like me, feel compelled to tweet him to commute or uh, exonerate Sarah's sentence, uh, he's on Twitter at Holcomb, H-O-L-C-O-M-B, for F-O-R, I N, which represents Indiana. So Holcomb for I N. And uh, I don't know, maybe he'll see this and it'll get on his radar and they can listen. By the way, we're telling this story from the details and the sources that we can pull from that are out there and are reputable. We aren't, we weren't the jury. Let's be fair. We weren't in the courtroom. We didn't see the evidence. Right. Or there, but still, you know. But it's it's looking and seeming like, you know, this is a gigantic, horrible mistake. That If she changed. did it, then retrying her would prove that. Yeah. Not a reasonable doubt. There so. you go. There you go. Anyway, let's end on a positive note, John, with a little, you know, intro listener shout outs. Obviously, let us know what you guys think about this case at Carpe Darren at Jay Thrasher. But uh, why don't you take the first one, John? Yes, Darren, a lot of people listened to your Patreon exclusive announcement last week about moving to L.A. and wished you well. I want to read some of them. Roxana, who is a uh, common Patreon commenter, says, so happy for you, Darren, with the little, you. you know, heart hands emoji. You sound so happy, which I love that particular That's so nice. note. Our friend Sandy Darren, who I think has might have her eye on you a little bit, says, congrats on the upcoming <laughs> move. We will anxiously await if a career changes in your future mm. as well. Does this mean you won't be Andy's assistant anymore? Maybe you wanted to comment more specifically about that, Darren. I'll still be to. around with him and his ether. Absolutely. So uh, hopefully more career changes, but that's staying for now. Great. And our friends, of course, Maritza and a person named Sacred Chickens on Patreon right. also wished you well. So, Darren, good luck That's as so you nice. head so- into this transitional phase in your life. Thanks, guys. And it's nice to know I, I have you, you know, and that's going to be always be kind of the consistent and consistency and having friends kind of out there and I'm always still going to have John. It's just really nice. And John, you know, Jackie in our Facebook group posted her Pikachu hat saying, quote, I'm finally caught up. I like to stock some episodes up to binge while I work. Thought I would show off my Pikachu hat since John Thrasher is unable to locate his or is he? Listen, not only, am I, not only am I unable, but if you listen to NMR the other day, I am. You're unwilling. Yeah. I'm unwilling and it's sweating and I'm not looking for a winter Pikachu hat. That's bring right. It, bring it back up in November. If I'm still in the Northeast, God forbid, I'm still here dealing with winter again. But God. anyway, yeah. sign up for Patreon today to join us on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you must be a radish or a sussy radish to join our live stream. Links for Patreon merch and how you can watch this podcast in video form are all in our show notes. 
Thank you, John, for that. And of course, let's end by thanking Megan. One, two, three. Thank you, Thanks. Megan. Megan, you're the best, guys. Uh, uh, oh. Check your freshies. Stop sweating. Move to LA <laughs> with me. And uh, we'll see you next week for another episode That's of right. Shaken Bye. and Disturbed. Bye. Bye.